On today's show, a look ahead to Hawks-Kings on Wednesday with an expert in the field, Greg Wissinger of the Kings-Herald, and we'll get into all of what you uh, expect from Wednesday's game, some Kevin Herter talk, draft pick talk in the future, and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1382 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. And I has you covered with this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. I also want to encourage you to make this, this podcast, Locked on Hawks, your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Odyssey app, Google Play, and of course, YouTube on the video side. Today's podcast is uh, sort of a bonus pod in some respects. Not my usual thing, a sort of a game preview episode with a little bit more sprinkled in. I am joined in a moment by Greg Wissinger, the managing editor of the Kings Herald, a fantastic independent Sacramento Kings website. He was on this podcast once before, episode 835, and a little bit bit of time to sit on 500 plus episodes ago. But uh, we both used to work at SB Nation, fighting the good fight together, covering the NBA from our respective corners of the United States. And Greg is very, very smart about the Kings. And of course, the Hawks play the Kings on Wednesday evening. Um, Just a couple of things before we get to Greg. Uh, it's a back-to-back for the Kings with travel. So Sacramento plays actually tonight as I record this. Uh, they're playing uh, in Utah. So that's a nice, interesting interesting turnaround for the Kings, um, giving the Hawks a slight advantage as they are still in the Bay Area after the double overtime loss on Monday. Uh, as a point of uh, clarification and also plug, I talked about that game in depth on the same podcast feed. Talked about about 40 minutes. Uh, double overtime breakdown before that, a mailbag podcast. All of that is still relevant on this podcast feed if you are uh, prone to listening to old episodes or have not heard those just yet at this point. As for everything else, the Hawks injury report is now out. It's record this as well. Click Capella is still out for the Hawks. He's on this road trip, but uh, no indication he's going to be back anytime soon. No, no upgrades. He's just been out all the way through. Again, he's on the road trip. But no public updates from the Hawks at all, really, about Capella in the last couple of days. DeAndre Hunter, who I referenced on Monday Night Show, left the game briefly at the end of regulation against the Warriors, ended up coming back in double overtime, is not on the injury report at all. So it's only Capella. That's a good sign with regard to Hunter, and the Hawks are at least somewhat close to full strength, although Capella is a huge, huge loss for Atlanta anytime he's not available to play. Um, as for the Kings, we don't know what their injury report is going to look like because it's a back-to-back for them. They had a couple guys listed as questionable going into Tuesday night's game, including Kevin Herter, but they all ended up starting the game, uh, at least being available to play in the game tonight. So uh, we'll see on the injury front, but the Kings could be at full strength as well. And uh, right now, as I record this podcast, our friends have been online and make the Hawks a one-point underdog in Sacramento, which basically only makes it a, it's a coin flip game. So Anything can happen there. Uh, the Hawks obviously need to get a win. They've lost four games in a row, and we'll have full coverage of that game at the end of it. But without further delay, I will uh, get into my discussion with Greg Wissinger. Again, please subscribe to the podcast. Check out Greg's work, and uh, here we go with Greg. As I said in my intro, I am joined by a legitimate Sacramento Kings expert. Greg Wissinger is here. Thank you for being here, sir. How are you on this Tuesday? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate it. Um I know, actually, as we're recording this, the Kings play tonight, which I gave a caveat before that. We'll just do it one more time now. Things could change. There could be injuries. Whatever happens, back-to-backs are always tricky. But uh, because it's the Kings and the Hawks have some interesting 
uh, crossover with the Kings. I don't do a ton of game previews on this podcast, but um, after what the Hawks went through on Monday when they lost in double overtime, uh, throw in the draft stuff, throw in the Kevin Herter stuff. It was a good time to kind of reach out to someone that I trust about uh, about Kings basketball. So obviously we don't know what's going to happen on Tuesday, but I wonder, broadly speaking, we'll dive in from here. Like it's been a really good year for the Kings so far. What's the, what's the vibe like? I mean, the light, the beam thing is happening, but uh, is this as optimistic as it's been in Sacramento for a long time? Does it, feel, it feels that way on the outside. Oh, absolutely. It, it's been a, an absolute blast. It's been the most fun I've had covering the team in a very, very long time because we've had a lot of really bad years and, you know, people were, kind of cautiously optimistic that this might be a little bit better season, but so far it, it's exceeded even the most optimistic expectations. <laughs> so th- when that happens, it's just so much fun where you, know, you get that, that joy of the surprise season. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, the Hawks have been generally pretty good for a long time. They had the one uh, quick rebuild pre Trey young, but they were good for 10 years before that. Not always, not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of those seasons, but they were pretty good. So it's been like a long time since the Hawks have had like one of those genuine come out of nowhere seasons. Like I remember that from a long time ago, but most Hawks fans probably don't. It's been that long since <laughs> they've had one of those like really overachieving kind of years. And I guess I'll also ask you like, does it feel like overachieving? Because, you know, coming in, the Kings were supposed to be like a maybe a play in team. And that, right now they're playing at like a top six or seven level in the West. Like, does that feel real to you? Or is it like, all right, this is really fun. We're really enjoying ourselves, but maybe it's going to cool off at some point. So, Kings fans are like so like broken and jaded yeah. now that we're all like waiting for <laughs> it to like come crashing back down. Uh, but no, I mean, coming into the season, I think that even the most optimistic of us were thinking like they're going to be clawing to be like that. 10th or maybe ninth seat. Uh, as of today, when we're recording this, right. And obviously the, the Western conference is shifting day by day because it's all so tightly packed, but right now the Kings are the fifth seat. Uh, so well exceeding expectations. And the other thing is that the Kings schedule was a lot harder on the front end than the back end, just at least the way we looked at it at the beginning of the year. So we were kind of thinking like they might struggle early and then kind of put it together as time goes on. So a lot of what, they have done looks pretty sustainable. Um, obviously there's always injury luck and you know everything else that can go wrong in a season, but so far what we've seen seems like something that could be real, could be sustainable where, you know, at the end may, they might still be in the play and when it all kind of settles out, but right now they're, they're looking solidly on the higher end of that, as opposed to trying to scrap into the bottom part of the, the play in terms. Yeah, it's a good place to be. You know, it's kind of uh, the inverse of where the Hawks are, where um, Atlanta is now battling to try to be in the play-in mix, which is, which is not where they wanted to be at, the, at this point. Uh, you know, I guess a few months ago, um, I, I think it's pretty clear by the numbers that the Kings are an offense-first team. Uh, having watched them a little bit, yeah. um, uh, so we'll start there. We'll start on the positive side. Um, obviously, this is an offense that was at one point like in the top three, and they're still in the top seven or eight offensively. Mm-hmm. What are kind of the strengths of note, you know, assume that a Hawks fan has not seen a ton of the Kings as you're explaining this. Um, what's this offense look like? You know, obviously the, the high-profile guys, Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox, and uh, our old pal Kevin Herter as well. But uh, what's this offense look like, and what should Hawks fans be looking for in this matchup? Yeah, the entire offense is really built around maximizing Sabonis and running through Sabonis most of the time. A lot of dribble handoff actions, a lot of him operating out of the high post and, and finding cutters, setting screens, doing – uh, different actions, and, and it's worked really well. I mean, Sabonis has been uh, a really great player for the Kings this season. Uh, excellent passing. He can take it and score on his own. 
uh, but really good at finding open guys and getting involved. And then they've got shooting all around, uh, you know, between Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, Keegan Murray, Harrison Barnes, they've got shooters to spread the floor. And then De'Aaron Fox, you know, when he's not kind of working in a two-man game with Sabonis, he's also just capable of breaking down a defense and, you know, he can get to the rim, he can hit a mid-range, and he's actually improved his three-point shot uh, this year compared to years past. Yeah, and I think that Sabonis has always been an interesting hub, like a, not, not, a, not a usual player in a, in a good way. I mean, a lot, most teams are not playing the way the Kings are through a big like Sabonis mm-hmm. as, the, as their hub like that, and it makes it difficult to defend him. On the other hand, of course, David Millen coached him in Indiana, so he's pretty familiar with what Sabonis can do. Um, at the same time, like it's one thing to be familiar, one thing to be able to stop it. And the Hawks will have will not have Clapella in this matchup, who is their defensive anchor. That's not a great not, not a great thing to be uh, going in this game without Capella. And you know, Sabonis. Uh, obviously, I was going to ask you the thumb issue for him. He's playing through something now, and it seems like is that correct? Is, is it a thumb issue that I uh, can glean or a finger or something like that? Yeah. So on his non-shooting hand, he has a small fracture in his thumb basically where the the ligament attaches and he's just got it taped up and is playing through it. He missed one game, which I mean, I've, I've had like breaks and torn ligaments in my thumb before. And I can't imagine getting hit there throughout the game, (laughs) like uh, proving once and for all NBA players are tougher than I am, but uh, yeah, he's played through it and it really hasn't seemed to have affected him at all. Uh, If you were just watching and didn't know and, and didn't notice the tape, I don't think you'd even really notice that there was an injury happening. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I think of like even just like catching a pass with a with, with a thumb <laughs> issue like that would not be a lot of fun, right. much less operating in the way that he does. But I want to at least ask because I, I, it felt like it was a, a cycle between all right, he has this injury and oh, he's going to play through it, and oh, he's playing like tonight. It was like oh, he's back like right yeah. away. It's like, this is a very <laughs> strange uh, reporting cycle. But, you know, he's, he's a monster. We'll talk about his defense in a second. But uh, obviously the offensive end of the floor, he's, he's really good. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online and the NBA's main topic on this podcast. Things are very busy in 2023 and uh, really play football and basketball and hockey and soccer, other action that's going on in the sports world. The action never stops at BetOnline. And they're the number one source for wedging information as well as stats and news this season. It's the latest odds and trends for every pro and college league out there at BetOnline. That includes the latest across the board in uh, niche sports as well as prominent sports, entertainment bets, uh, props, all that fun stuff is at Bet Online. Live betting as well in the mix at Bet Online. And also very useful engagement latest on the Hawks. They have the point spreads and totals and money lines, as well as the conference odds, division odds, title odds, individual awards odds, and much more on the Hawks front. And Bet Online is also the fastest, easiest way to get your sports betting fix. If you love sports podcasts, they also have those at Bet Online as well. Check out Bet Online on your mobile device or your computer to learn more about all of the trends and the action across the sports world. Bet Online, where the game starts. The other guy, of course, is, is De'Aaron Fox, who I think he's. I don't, I don't think he's. I don't think he's producing like his career highs in counting stats, but it feels like it's been his best season so far. Would you say that? Obviously, I'm, I'm on the outside, but it feels like he's playing his best basketball this year. I definitely would, uh, and. He's his numbers can be a little deceiving because he had a lull where he was kind of banged up and dealing with some injuries and an illness at the same time. So his you know counting stats kind of dipped and, and you know they impacted the averages overall. For the most part, he's been playing at or above kind of career high levels as, as far as scoring and efficiency and, and all of that. He's really having a great year. Uh, his shooting, I mentioned earlier, his three-point shooting, you know, it, it's not going to be mistaken for, you know, Steph Curry or anything like that, but it, it's good enough that defenses actually have to pay attention to it, 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 and it's been a more consistent threat. And then, 
Um, his defense has actually been better. Again, he's not ever going to be confused for a lockdown defender, but he can, you know, especially in crunch time, he is capable of really guarding well, uh, guarding without fouling and, and, and really making his matchup work, which in years past was just not the case. I mean, he was a turnstile before. So the fact that he's doing it on both ends and finding consistency in areas that were weaknesses for him, all around it's been a, a fantastic year for him and, and definitely an improvement. I'm going to ask about Herter in a second, but mm-hmm. last thing on the offense, um, I noticed that the Kings, I think, are like in the top three of the league in transition frequency and fast break points. Is that like a uh, – is it intentional? Like are they just running on every on – any time they can? Is it like a system thing? Uh, what's that pace element like? Because obviously it's difficult to play against those kind of teams, and uh, you, may not, you wouldn't know this, but the Hawks just got kind of ran out of the building by the Pacers the other day who were <laughs> – they're kind of similar in that they run a lot. I don't know mm-hmm. Pacers and Kings fans have, have a nice little crossover with their uh, with, the, with the trade in recent years, but uh, I think Hawks fans are going to be concerned with Sacramento's pace if that's uh, intentional, like, like, like it seems like it probably is. Yeah, it's definitely an intentional thing and and something that you have to get into like deeper stats, and, and it's been a while. I don't dig into these too much, but uh, I saw mentioned earlier in the season that even in their half-court sets, once they – you know if, if it doesn't turn into a transition basket – their overall pace and movement and all of that is still pretty high up there as far as the league, where even if they don't get something on a break, they're still not slowing it down and grinding it out. It's still a ton of movement, a ton of pace, a ton of, you know, passing and cutting. And it's a very frenetic offense from the moment they get the ball. And it's definitely by design. It's meant to kind of wear down opponents and create as many mismatches and opportunities as they can. Yeah, and I will say on the Hawks side, it's not been a strength this year in transition defense. So that's an area that I am circling in uh, in bright colors in advance of that Wednesday matchup because if the Hawks are not ready to get back on defense, it's going to be a long night. Um, okay, it's, now it's time to ask you about Kevin Herter. So uh, I'm going to not dwell on this too much. You can imagine uh, it's not been a very popular transaction. <laughs> I was early on this, honestly. like Even when it happened, I was pretty critical of the Hawks doing the deal they did. And I can give you the reasons that, that they did it. Uh, it's was tax related, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, put that aside for, for now. And I'll just ask you, uh, has he been as good as it seems like he's been on the outside? Because I've watched him a lot. Hawks has been watching him a lot. He's having his best season. Uh, what's his impact been like for Sacramento? I mean, it's been amazing. I, I don't want to you know, <laughs> twist the knife too much or anything. Okay. Listen, I'm, ask, I'm asking the question. It's fine. No, I mean – it it's really been fantastic in, in two different ways. So one, just his shooting, his scoring, his, his you know, movement, all, both with and without the ball. Um, he's been exactly what the team needed, especially partnering with Sabonis. Hit, uh, I mentioned all the dribble handoff work that Sabonis does. His favorite person to do it with is Kevin Herter. Those two immediately gelled and have great chemistry and a great understanding of what each other's doing. And it, it's been a perfect marriage. And then the other part is just that a trade like that where the Kings got, you know, a guy who is their third best player most nights and sometimes their their first or second on a given night. And they got him without giving up a current, you know, rotation player or asset or anything like that. It really helped kind of slide everyone else down into a more appropriate role in their depth chart, which is a, a big reason why the Kings have had such a good year is, you know, they aren't playing a guy who should be a sixth man as a starter anymore. You know, it, it kind of helped align all of those different roles and responsibilities. Yeah. And, you know, not to do the whole thing on the Hawks side again, but 
Um, I, I do think that there's been this discussion of like, would he have been able to do this in Atlanta in probably a smaller role? I think he is playing a bigger role with the Kings. You just mentioned like he might be their third best player at this point. His usage rates up. Um, it feels like um, him and Sabonis, I was actually, actually going to ask about that pairing because it feels like in what I've seen, they make a ton of sense together in a way that the Hawks don't really have a player like that on their team. They don't have, they don't have a handoff guy like that. Obviously they have some quality bigs, not, but nobody likes Sabonis. So it's kind of a perfect storm in some ways. Uh, I, I, again, I hated it for the Hawks even at the time, but I am happy for Kevin. I've always liked him, like even personally, like we never know these guys all the way through, but my interaction has been great with him. And like, it seems like he enjoys it there. He's having a bigger role. And uh, I know Hawks fans only care about the Hawks and I get that, but it's uh there's a person there and he seems to be uh, having fun in Sacramento as well. Yeah. I mean, I was a fan of the trade when it happened. Cause I, you know, over the years, just watching him with Atlanta, it seemed like he was a good player. And it seemed like he always just killed the Kings whenever we play you guys. But he's even exceeded my expectations. And I totally agree. I think that the different way that he's being used compared to kind of Atlanta's offense, I think it definitely helped unlock some things and, and really make that trade look like a huge win for Sacramento. So the other thing I wanted to ask you before we uh, I go back to the game itself, um, since I have you here, uh, there's been a lot of talk, and I think it's changed in the last few months as the Kings have been playing well, about the draft pick that it's uh, that was kind of the main compensation in that deal for Herder. Obviously, Justin Holiday was in the deal, but spoiler alert, it was not about Justin Holiday. It was about cutting the luxury tax and, and about secondarily that first round pick in the future. Um, it's not the section misconception. It's not this year's pick. So people are like excited almost that the Kings are good. I was like, oh, the picks in a cup. Nope, this is not this year. It's in the future. So you can imagine. I follow you on Twitter. We, we talked enough. Um, there was a question, and what I even asked about like, is this pick ever going to come? Because it's it's the Kings, and you know this. Yeah. I mean, they haven't made the playoffs in 15 years and all that stuff. But um, so I guess the best way to ask this question is, is what's happening this year sustainable in your mind to the point where Hawks fans can be confident that pick comes? Because without going through all of it. The Kings have to be basically be at least a play-in or playoff team at, at some point in the 2024-2026 corridor to get that first-round pick. And I know where the Kings are right now, they're not worried about that pick at all. But mm-hmm. for the Hawks, they're going to have to watch the Kings closely starting next year. And I'm wondering if this is like, are the Kings going to be pretty good now for a while in your mind? Hopefully, but again, Hopefully. I'm a Kings fan, so I, I don't right. believe in anything. Like it's going to have to be like a decade before I actually believe in sustained success. That's why, uh, that's why I had to ask. I, I, yeah. I know you. I know you well enough. We're not like super close, but I'm like I think I know the answer here because yeah. it's the Kings. He's going to have to see this. But I mean, I'm sure you wouldn't have been upset with me. Like I was. Look, I was like, guys, this pick is not necessarily coming. Like as crazy as that sounds, it was a it was a three year. It's a three year runway, and all you, all you have to do is not basically not be in the top ten every single year but the Kings have picked in the top 10 the vast majority of the last 15 years. So it's, it was right. not a lock. And obviously I will say I feel better about it on the outside now as a Hawks fan, because as weird as it sounds, they need the Kings to be good. Usually you want the team that owes your pick to be bad, but in this right. case it's protected. They need the Haw- they need the Kings to be good enough where that pick actually comes. Today's show is brought to you by Big Dog Speakers, and I have to ask, can your portable Bluetooth speaker even think about hanging with the Big Dog? The Scout from Big Dog Speakers is a portable Bluetooth speaker specifically designed in Augusta, Georgia to deliver huge sound that is very clear, 
plus fantastic battery life, a ton of connectivity options. They also do it all at a competitive price. The Big Dog Scout speaker also gets loud with a max volume of 105 decibels. That's loud in the competition while still maintaining that quality sound that you're looking for across the board. And from partying with your friends to taking it to the beach or doing something more practical like making a phone call, the Big Dog speaker is built to do it all. Also, Big Dog speakers are built by 100% satisfaction guarantee plus a one-year warranty. Again, a satisfaction guarantee and a one-year warranty. It's time to go back and go big with big dog speakers with the ability to charge all the devices, maintain 15 hours of playback, reduce up to 105 decibels, even the ability to pair two together for that enhanced stereo sound in a waterproof package. That's how my setup is with big dog speakers. I have two together, and the sound is fantastic and huge. It really fills the room in a fantastic way. The Big Dog Scout is also available now at bigdogspeakers.com for $99 and get 20% off with the promo code locked on. For more information, check out bigdogspeakers.com. One more time, that is bigdogspeakers.com. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on. And I think that there's definitely reason to believe that it is sustainable. I mean, when you look at the the core that makes up the Kings roster, it, it's all aligned age-wise. I mean, everyone's in their early to mid-20s. Uh, they've got everyone locked up beyond the season with the exception of Harrison Barnes, and that's kind of the, the big question mark. But, I mean, even if he was gone, I mean, they, they have some options and, and tools that they can use to bring in players next year. And, and if they're good and if they're exciting and if there's fun and there's better culture, like it, you can normally at least get some, you know, second or third tier free agents to sign, unlike what Sacramento was dealing with in years past. So th there is reason to believe that it, it's sustainable and something that could happen, you know, where they could continue to improve or, or at least maintain the same level of play. I don't think that that's a wild or unreasonable thing. It's not like, uh, a few years back when Minnesota ended their own playoff drought by throwing everything <laughs> into one year and, and getting swept out of the eight seed and then Jimmy Butler's blowing it up and all, you know, it's not that type of situation where it's kind of a fragile thing. It, it seems very sustainable. I think that makes a lot of sense. And uh, just as a, as a note, it's not just lottery protected. The first year's lottery, lottery protected 24 and then it's top 12 and 25 top 10 and 26. And then it becomes two seconds. Um, but I've, I've long said, well, I didn't like the trade for the Hawks. It becomes more palatable, more, not all the way, but more palatable if it's a first round pick. If it's, if it's seconds, the trade looks yeah. terrific in every way, which I think everybody understands. But uh, that's uh, it's a future concern. But since I had you here, I had to ask you. Um, last thing I will get into is kind of the, the matchup itself on Wednesday. And that basically I want, I want to ask about the defense because – you know, not a great defensive team on paper mm -hmm. by the stats this year. Sabonis has a long reputation of not necessarily being a terrible defender himself, but not being able to necessarily anchor a good defense as a center. Does that track for you? Like, what have you seen defensively with him as the primary rim protector? And like, you know, by the numbers, the Kings are not fantastic defensively. This year. I mean, no one's going to ever confuse him for being, you know, to come in Matumbo or anything like that. Uh, he just doesn't quite have like the the size and length to be a true like rim protector in the traditional sense. I do think that his post defense does get knocked a little bit more than is deserved. I think he's actually a very solid like man to man defender. He's just not going to come flying out of nowhere, you know, on a weak side block to you know help a wing guy who got burnt or anything like. And the Kings have kind of a a perfect storm where he's not a great rim protector and the Kings don't have very many guys who can guard very well at the wing. So it's, you know, the defense is definitely an issue. Uh, they're, they're making efforts. There are games and you know, moments where it looks like they may be starting to kind of figure some things out, at least from a team defense perspective. Um, but realistically, I mean, for Kings fans, we're just like, 
don't be a bottom 10 defense and we're going to be okay. Like that's kind of the goal. Um, I haven't looked to see where they're at currently. They might be kind of on that. Realm cost, there. I think it was like, yeah, I think it was like yeah. 21 or 22 right now, which is yeah. like, it's non-disastrous. And one thing I was going to say is like the Kings are actually really good on the glass defensively, which mm-hmm. is something that can really help you if you don't protect the rim very well. Being right. able to close possessions is important, so that's an area that I'll be I'll be I'll be circling that one too. Is like if the Hawks don't get anything on on, on the glass, they're going to have to uh, you know convert their opportunities around the rim and attack the rim. And the Hawks are uh, prone to settling for mid range jump shots um, this season. So uh, in this matchup, I would definitely recommend if I was the Hawks not settling and getting actually going to the rim because that's a, a weakness of the Kings. And a big part of that is to Sabonis' credit. I mean, the Kings were an awful rebounding team before they traded for him, and he like basically single-handedly made them into a, a one of the better rebounding teams in the league. So that's a, a huge part of of his value as well. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting spot. Like, I'm glad you mentioned the perimeter defense because you go up and down the roster. Like, who is the Kings' stopper on the perimeter? Do they do they even have one? I guess is it like Davion Mitchell or something? I don't know. <laughs> Mostly Davion. Um, for, who, for who's, like, who's who's six one or something like that? Isn't he like six? Yeah, he, he's little, but he'll he'll play guys tough. I mean, you get like a really big wing, and yeah, you know, they'll throw uh, Harrison Barnes. Uh, sometimes from the bench, they'll they'll throw in Casey Okpala, but uh, he's you know, kind of flash minutes here and there doesn't play a huge part in the rotation. But yes, you know, so they've got a, a couple guys, but it, uh, nothing that's a nobody that's a reliable and consistent part of their core Sounds outside like of the Yeah, sounds like the Hawks. Honestly, on the on the perimeter, when they have some uh, some weaknesses there, I think there is a, a good possibility. I'm not sure if you agree about this game being kind of a shootout in the way that things go, especially with the Hawks playing without Capella. They become much more of an offensive first team a little bit of a faster team. The Kings are already playing that way. Um, mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if this game's in the 120s on, on Wednesday. Um, obviously, we're, we're a day in advance here, and again, the Kings have not played as you and I are talking right now. Um, it's a back-to-back. Uh, have the Kings been like better or worse than a typical team on these situations where they have a tough spot? Because I know some teams I've covered – like really, really cannot function on these like back-to-backs with travel. And this is a tough one, like not, not a hugely long trip, but going from Utah to Sacramento overnight is not an easy one either. So I've kind of, uh, I want to know what you think about that. Is like, is this a normal situation where, or, or do they kind of really struggle on these back-to-backs? I, I wouldn't say they necessarily struggle. It's always been a little odd that they it, kind of throughout the season, the Kings pretty much just do whatever the opposite of what you think they're going to do. So like <laughs> if they've got two games against a team that, uh, you know, the first game they should win and the second game they should get blown out, the opposite's going to happen. They're going to get blown out by the bad team and they're going to beat the the good team. Right. So um, it, it's just kind of been kind of a weird thing with the se- season. And I wouldn't say they necessarily play better or worse on back to backs, nothing that really stands out. Um, I mean, the normal struggles that any team has, right? Just fatigue and all of that. But outside of the the normal impacts of a back-to-back, I I wouldn't say anything too notable. Yeah, this is a weird spot where the Hawks are on the road, but they had already, they were coming from San Francisco, which is just Mm -hmm. down the street, basically. So the road team actually has a rest advantage in this game because they don't really have to travel and the Kings do. And yeah, it's a road game and the Hawks have been bad on the road. They're six and 12 on the road this year. Um, the Kings are, I think, 11 and seven at home. So that's the advantage for the Kings. There's lots of conflicting, yeah. uh, which is, I guess it kind of makes it fun. I, and I saw in the betting market, our friends at Bell Online that's watching this podcast have the Kings right now, again, ahead of their game tonight on Tuesday as a one point favorite. So basically a quick flip, which makes, yeah. that makes it fun. It's like, all right, we'll see what happens. <laughs> nobody's, yeah. nobody's favorite, really. 
Um, well, I've taken up a lot of your time, and I appreciate you doing this for me uh, in advance of a game. Uh, I like to, I like to uh, have you plug everything you got going on because uh, you and I used to both work at SB Nation. I have been reading you for a long time, and uh, you have a cool venture that you are involved with covering the Kings, and I would highly recommend your Kings coverage if people want to listen to it. So where, where can they find you on the written side, audio side, all that stuff? So our website is kingsherald.com. Uh, we're completely independent, uh, so no... Uh, big company backings or anything like that, just uh, independent coverage. And, you know, we've got podcasts and, and you know, commentary and uh, analysis, game recaps, all that sort of stuff. Uh, we're also on Twitter at the Kings Herald, and we've also got a YouTube clip, uh, YouTube channel going up as well. I would, again, recommend checking all that out. You know, I know a lot of Hawks fans may just be Hawks only, but if you like to co- like to kind of – Take stock of the league if you want to follow Kevin Herter's every move in Sacramento, something like that. Uh, I recommend checking out Greg and the Kings Herald because uh, it's great coverage. And uh, look, not not I wouldn't say that about everybody. Lots of markets don't have good independent coverage, and the Kings do. Kings fans are awesome, despite uh, as you can probably hear in Greg's voice at times, they've been beaten down for the last fifteen years or so. But they have not been uh, they've not like uh, just kind of given up on the team. The, the resilience is pretty impressive, Greg. I got I got to say, two thousand six. It's been a long time. It's been a real long time. The, the good thing is, like anyone who's still around, like is pretty thick skin, and, and you know we could take the jokes at this point because anyone who can has already bailed. So uh, we we try not to take any of it for granted and, and just have fun with it along the way. Absolutely. Well, thank you for doing this again, my friend. I really do appreciate it. Uh, please, as everybody else, please follow Greg's work. Ch- uh, check out this podcast. Subscribe to it, and we'll see you guys after what should be a very interesting game on Wednesday between the Hawks and the Kings.